Successful people learn how to make their mind work for them. I'm David Nagel, and this is the Successful Mind Podcast. Here's an interesting manifest that I did a long, long time ago. When I was living up in uh, northern Illinois, around just outside of Rockford, a little town called Poplar Grove, where I raised uh, uh, my first two children and my second two children were born there, I was flying out of General Mitchell Airport in Milwaukee on a regular basis. One was because I was working with Proctor and I was going to uh, Toronto probably once every 10 days. Um, most people don't know this, but my first sem- seminar started up there. I used to do seminars in Markham, uh, and I did that for about two years. So that was pretty cool. Anyway, there was this little used bookstore in General Mitchell Airport, and I found so many gems there over about a three-year period of time. But one of the best ones was this, and I don't know. I've never seen anybody find this exact thing that I got. I'll tell you what it is. It's a little... It's a little book set, okay? One is called The Secret of the Ages by Robert Collier, and it comes with a, a partner book, The Golden Age, that was actually written by J. Paul Getty. And it's in this little thing. Like, it was just sitting in this used bookstore. I'm like, what the hell is this? So it is, it's a phenomenal uh, piece of work that most people have never read. Like in the, like the self-improvement community, it's just really hard to find the original, the original books. So it just so happened when I was looking for this, I was looking to try to understand ambition and desire that we've been talking a lot about a little bit more. And actually, that's the secret of the ages is pretty much what this book is about. So if you could ever find it, make sure you get it, right? I think it was originally written in the 60s. I know that this is, um, he was on his like 26th edition of this or something. Let me see here. 27th edition was in 75, which is interesting because the Collier book was published in 68. So at some time, they decided to pair these up as a team and put them out together. Um. So here's what we're going to cover today. So I said, be hungry. He has an interesting take on ambition and desire. He says, it's secret number two, ambition and desire, two keys to success. Ambition, what a glorious word. How, to, uh, how, the, how the sound of it stirs one, one's energies to make one feel the inspiration to be up at work, doing things, succeeding, creating, accomplishing. And what does ambition really mean? Pray? It means more than a mere eagerness for things. It means a deep-seated desire to materialize certain ideals which exist in the mind as mental pictures. Before one can accomplish things, he must be possessed by ambition. Now, out of everything that I've shared with you so far, we haven't even heard this word, I don't think, ambition, right? We've heard desire, we've heard will, we've heard all of that. Here's his little recipe for building this up. And I have to agree that um, it makes a lot of sense because you keep going back to the cause. And one of the problems that I see 
with people that's one of the biggest problems is that they don't have enough desire to overcome the challenges that they have to overcome to get where they want to go. They just can't seem to keep their desire strong enough or tap into that, that main thing inside them. And he addresses this problem. And it's also the only place I've ever seen it addressed this way. And I've got like 5,000 books in my library and I've never seen anybody else address it this way. Um, so he says, before one can accomplish things, he must be possessed by ambition. And before he can feel ambition, he must have the preceding hunger which causes him to manifest ambition with which to satisfy it. Now, that's interesting because he's going pre-desire here. He's saying, here's the things that have to be in place that eventually lead up to desire. To desire. Ambition's one of them. Before ambition, it's, it's being hungry. Um, and it follows anything that will stimulate that mental hunger will arouse ambition and thus create the eagerness for action and attainment. And how, uh, how may that mental hunger uh, be produced? There is a psychological law underlying this mental hunger that manifests as ambition. And the law is this, that in order for that mental hunger to be manifested, it must have ideals presented to the mind's eye. And you might want to write that down. In order for that mental hunger to be manifested, it must have ideals presented to the mind's eye. Just as gastric juices of the stomach may be stimulated and caused to flow by sight and smell and thought of food, so is the mental hunger produced by the sight, thought or idea of things needed for its satisfaction. If you, are, if you are contented with your present life and want nothing better, it is chiefly because you know nothing better. Have you seen nothing better? Have you heard nothing better? Or else you are mentally and physically lazy. The ignorant, savage seeking is, till, uh, is to till his land by means of a sharpened stick, cannot desire a steel plow or other architectural implements if he does not know them. He simply, he simply keeps sight uh, I'm sorry, he simply keeps right at work in his old way and the way of his forefathers and feels no desire for a better implement. But by and by, some man comes along with a steel plow and our savage opens his eyes in a wide surprise and a wonderful thing. If he be a savage of discernment, he begins to uh, get up an interest and sees how much better it accomplishes the task and does his rude point stick. If he is a progressive savage, he begins to wish he had one of the strange new implements. And if he wants it hard enough, he begins to experience new strange feelings, mental hunger for the thing, which is sufficiently strong, and it causes his ambition to bud. Now, here's something that's interesting. In, in a lot of the studies that I did, and even in my own life, I have always found that when somebody is very successful and they did not come from any kind of success, like they were the first one in a generation or a family to be successful, at some young age, they were exposed to something that opened their mind. It may have just been brief, you know, like they saw success. They like, for me, I had a couple of experiences where I was inside very wealthy, wealthy people's homes when I was, when I was young. 
and I saw a difference between the way they lived and the way that I lived. And I always remembered those things. So it was kind of like, there's some significance there. I'm not sure what it is at the time. I wasn't even sure what it was when I was like in my 20s. But it would happen periodically. I would be in these positions where, for whatever reason, I would end up being in somebody's house or see something um, that would kind of exemplify success from a materialistic perspective. But here's, here's the weird thing about this. Very often we're taught the opposite when we're young. We're taught that it's not okay to want. So you have to kind of examine your mind and ask yourself, was that seed planted in your mind somewhere when you were young, where you were taught it's not okay to want something better? Because if it was and it took over, you have to reverse it. And you simply reverse it by letting yourself want something. But you have to explore what that is. So you've heard me say, dig down into your secret thoughts. Really dig down in there and ask yourself, like, if nobody knew, like, if you could keep it a secret and money wasn't an issue and you didn't have to deal with shame or guilt or anything, what would you want? What would you really ask for? Right? And keep asking that question and see what starts to come up inside of you. Also pay attention to how different things arouse your desire as you go through life. You don't have to tell anybody about it. Matter of fact, I would encourage you probably not to in the beginning. Keep it to yourself. Like if you see things, you know, and you might think to yourself, oh, that's materialistic, or I don't need that, or, you know, don't go there in your mind. Pay attention to how it's arousing something inside of yourself. Uh, so then he goes on, and this is a critical point. Up to this time, he has felt a strong desire preceding ambition. But now, with the dawn of ambition, comes the arousing of will. And this is what ambition is, a strong will aroused by a strong desire. So he's using will in a little bit of a different way than I've been teaching to use it, because I'm using Waddle's idea of will, which is basically focus. Um, he's using it like in the terms of, uh, will attached to desire or like a God's will thing. You know, it's almost like a, a destiny, like something, an inside seed. He says, without these two elements, there can be no ambition. Uh, there can be no ambition. Desire without will is not ambition. One may want a thing very hard, but if he does not arouse his will strong enough to activate and cooperate with desire, his ambition will die a boring. And though one's will be as strong as steel, yet there is not a strong uh, desire animating and aspiring it. It will not manifest as ambition. So he's using this as like your internal compass to want something more than anything else, right? This is where I think he's using will in the traditional sense, like kind of pushing, forcing, you know, glomming on to something instead of just like an intellectual focus. To manifest ambition fully, one must first eagerly desire the thing, not a mere wanting or a wish for it, but a fierce, eager, consuming hunger which demands satisfaction. And then one must have the will aroused sufficiently strong to go out, out, to go out and get it, which desire is demanding. These two elements constitute the activity of ambition. So, it's a pretty neat thing.
There's quite a bit in this book, actually. And um, I don't agree with all of it, but most of it is really, really good. And it helped me understand quite a few things when I was first trying to study because it gives just, just a slight and subtle twist on certain ideas. So it, it, like I said, he kind of does a little bit of a deeper dive in here, and I think it's gonna, I think it's gonna help. Anyway, the book again is The Secret of the Ages by Robert Collier and its companion book, The Golden Age by J. Paul Getty. Let me know if you guys find it. Um, I've never had anybody tell me that they actually found it. So maybe it's out there now. I don't know. Thanks for listening to the Successful Mind Podcast. And if you like what you heard and you want to know more, go to davidnagel.com forward slash free stuff.